You're welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Chinedu Nwosu of the Bridge, a simple church. Stay back and be blessed. In the middle of the sea and a mighty storm I was raging, but Jesus was inside the boat sleeping because as far as he was concerned, the storms happening on the outside had little effect on what was happening on the inside. He had the victory inside. So when he woke up, all he simply did was tell the outside the same thing he was telling him on the inside that made him have victory on the inside. So private victories always precede public victories. God starts with giving us victory on the inside. So while we want to see a great change around us in Nigeria, while we want to see a great change everywhere, why there is a great desire for the political process to lead us to a place of victory, and why we know that by the grace of God we already have the victory, the truth is the true victory starts with you. If you don't have the mindset and carry the, um, and the, 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 the mindset and the essence of victory inside of you, you will not benefit from the victories that come from the outside. Look at somebody say, make sure you have the victory on the inside. Make sure you have private victory before you go out to public victory. Make sure you have private victories. But, but, but. There's so much to talk about victory and how to get victory on the inside. But I just simply want to go quickly into 1 John 4 and emphasize what do I even mean when I say victory? What do I mean when I say victory? I know that it's obvious. Victory is when two people go to battle and one is, on, one is down and the other one is up. That's clear. That's clear understanding of victory. But from the scriptures, victory takes another dimension. Victory takes another dimension, which eventually manifests from what is happening on the outside in the manifestation of that, uh, of the two opponents and one on top and the other under. That eventually happens, but victory first starts from inside of you. It first starts from inside of you. Is the one who has, who has that victory on the inside that is sure that no matter what happens around him, he gets the victory outside. So, that's why 1 John 5, 4 is a very, very important. 1 John 5, 4. The Bible says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That's very important. I want to take off from there, then I'll go to 1 Corinthians 15, I will end on that note. He says, first of all, whatsoever, I know you've heard me say this over and over again. I'm so glad the writer didn't say whosoever. He says, whatsoever. So it means that whatsoever does not refer only to people, uh, people or to human beings. It refers to a thing and also refers to a place. So whatsoever thing is born of God. Whatsoever idea is born of God. Whatsoever relationship is born of God. Whatsoever movement is born of God. That movement is guaranteed and designed to have the victory will overcome the world. So before you do anything and before you start asking for victory on the things around you or the things you're getting yourself involved in, you must first of all ask yourself, who gave birth to that thing? Who gave birth to that thing? So before you start a business, who gave birth to the business? Before you start a relationship, who gave birth 
to the business. Before you start a job, who gave birth to that job? Before you start any endeavor, who gave birth to it? If it was born by God and placed in your heart, it is guaranteed eventually to have the victory. In fact, it already has the victory before it becomes a manifestation. That's what I'm trying to say. Whatever movement, ah, and I thank God as a movement we all know, that is clearly born of God. <laughs> so, while there might be so much noise around now, we know we have the victory because it was born. So, you must first of all do a check. Do a check of the birth of that thing. Is that marriage born of God? Is that relationship born of God? Is that business born of God? Because whatsoever is born of God, not whosoever, whatsoever whatsoever so it is impossible for a whosoever to get give birth to a whatsoever that is not of God a who might be born of God but the idea that the who is trying to birth into place is not born of God am I making sense and as a matter of fact it is also possible that a who might not be born of God but the idea the who is carrying is born of God and that thing will eventually have the victory. Am I? I don't know if I'm. You look like. Are you, are you with me now? So I'm so glad the Bible doesn't say who. He says whatsoever. He says whatsoever. Look at me. Whatsoever. So that who might not be born of God, but the who is carrying an idea that is born of God. Oh, that who might not be born of God, but the who is carrying a movement, is carrying a potential, is carrying something that is born of God. That thing that is carried, that thing that is being birthed by God through that individual is guaranteed to have the victory. Whatsoever is born of God shall have the victory. But then he says, just in case there is some misunderstanding on what the writer is trying to say, John. He says, he goes further to say, and this is the victory. What He said, what is the victory? The victory is not that you are jumping up. The victory is not that you are rejoicing. He's trying to clarify. The victory is not that your opponent is down and you're the one standing at the end of the day. That's not the victory. The victory is not that, F, that the economy around you is doing so well and is blossoming and everything is okay. The victory is not that you try to buy a car before and then you didn't succeed and eventually you bought the car. That's not the victory. The victory is not the car. The victory is not the money. The victory is not the breakthrough. The vi That's not the victory. That's not the victory. What is the victory? The victory is your faith. That's what the writer is trying to say. Look at the text very carefully. He says, uh, let me read it again to you. Can I have it on the screen? Put that screen on for me. And just leave that scripture there on. He says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the thing that overcomes the world actually. This is the victory that actually overcomes the world. So what overcomes the world is not the money in the bank. Can I have that screen on? It's not the money in the bank. What overcomes the victory is not the house or the house that is standing. What overcomes the victory is not the movement and the putting of a particular person as president. No, that's not the victory. The victory starts from the privacy of your heart. 
That's why I started. The victory starts from the privacy of your heart. Because if the victory is locked up in your heart, inadvertently over time, the victory must manifest outside. He says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Therefore, the man who is in faith, the man who is standing in faith, the man who is jumping in faith is the one that has the victory already. Why? Because the victory is already inside of his heart and without in no distant time the victory will manifest outside and so when you look at all the patriarchs of faith you look at everyone that has ever been, that's ever walked with God they first of all had the victory inside of them in fact for most of them when you look at Hebrews chapter 11 they never got the manifestation of what was the supposed victory even after they died yet they were in victory and yet they had faith you didn't get that so it means that the victory and the faith, your faith, your victories rather, has very little to do with the things you see around you. While they will manifest, don't get me wrong, while we hope that they manifest into the things that we expect to be victory, but the real victory starts from inside of your heart. Consider Abraham, the father of faith, for example. When Abraham was, God, God gave him the, God called him to, to leave where he was and go to the nation, the country he would show him, Abraham was 75 years old. And God told him at that point, I'm going to bless you and bless anyone who blesses you. And I will bless your children and you will cover the earth. But he was 75 years old. He was 75 years old. And in the previous chapter, in chapter 11, we understand that his wife was barren and he had no child. He continued in that while until he became 99. Genesis chapter I think it's 19 or so. We see Abraham, he's 99 years old. And God is still telling him that he's going to be the father. In fact, at that point, after 25 whole years, the so-called son that was meant to come had not come. Yet, he had the victory. At 99, God now tells him that... You, I, I want to re, I want to reenact. I want to recommit myself in another covenant with you. That you are still going to have a child, and beyond that, you are going to be the father of many nations. And to prove it to you, I want to change your name from Abraham, which means exalted father. I'm going to call you Abraham, father of many nations. And even at that point, Abraham still didn't even have a real legitimate child. He only had Ishmael. And God said, "It's not going to be Ishmael. It's going to be by the one that you and Sarah will give birth to." So at that point, Abraham still only had, didn't even have a real child. When he eventually had a child the next year at 100, a, fa a father of one is not a father of many. He's not a father of many nations. So Abraham died being the father of maybe four children or five. There was Ishmael, there was Isaac, and I think the other, Keturah and the rest, I don't know if they had children. But maybe, maybe, let's be generous and say five children. So by the time he died, he only had five children. Those were not the many nations they were talking about. Yet, Abraham died in victory. Yet, Abraham died in victory. So, so, so if God said that you'll be the father of many nations, and now I'm dying, and I don't see the many nations yet, did God fail? What, what is going on here? No, no, no. What is going on here is that Abraham had victory on the inside because he had private victory within him. In him, he had the many nations, even though there was one sin physically. Over time, the many nations have shown up, and that's all of us who are here. I don't know if I'm, you hear what I'm saying. So, so private victories, therefore, are what will eventually lead to public victories. Never fix your eyes on the public victory. Your responsibility is to put your eye on your private victory on the inside. Ultimately, the public victory will unfold. 
I don't know if I'm talking about someone. You get me? It will, it will show. It will show. If you keep on it, to show. It might even go be, oh, I said that a few times last year. That in fact, the, the public victory that God promised Abraham was simply too much to fit into his 100 years of existence or 120 something years of existence. The great things that God has in store for you, for your family, for your children, they are too bogus and too big and too, ex- too massive to fit into the short time that you have here. Your time on earth is too short concerned compared to the victories and the unfolding of the victories to come. So the most important thing is that you should have within yourself the private victory. Private victory. Look at somebody say private victory. And the private victory is in your faith. Your faith is the victory. How does this private victory manifest until it produces public victory? That's where I'm going to. And that's what I want us to carry as carry in our hearts in this season. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 to 58. And that's where I want to close. So he says, look at the text very carefully. He says, but thanks be to God who it gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Full stop. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if God has given you victory, you must have victory, isn't it? You have victory. If he has given you victory, then you certainly have victory. Hello, are you with me this Sunday morning? Then you have victory. If God has given you victory, nobody can take it from you. You have victory. Then how come the next verse is saying something a bit different? It doesn't sound like victory to me. He says, therefore, my brethren, be steadfast. Be unmovable. Somebody who has victory, you almost want to suggest to him there's no need to be satisfied. You already have what you're looking for. I don't know if I'm There's no need to be steadfast. You already have it. You have the victory. So why are you telling me to be steadfast? He says, be you unmovable. Somebody who is, you tell somebody who has not gotten victory to be unmovable and to wait till the victory comes. Some of you, maybe this is for, uh, uh, this is for, is for some of those people that didn't come to church today. Look, it's for those that didn't come to church. It says here, in fact, I saw this a few minutes ago and it blew my mind. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, be ye unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, inasmuch as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So what is he saying here? He's saying, first of all, you have the victory. So clearly, that victory he's speaking of is not a victory that is yet visible. Oh. If you read 1 Corinthians 15 all the way through, you can get a good grasp of what Paul was talking about. That entire text was, Paul, was written by Paul to speak of the resurrection to come. He was speaking of the resurrection to come. He started first by talking about the gospel that God committed to him, which we all stand in. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. When he's done with that, he now talked about the witnesses that saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then when he finished talking about that, he now said that, well, that if we are, if, if we are, we are most miserable of all men, if there is no resurrection, if our faith ends here and there is nothing to speak of our faith in the, in the world to come, then we are most miserable of all men. If everything we believe in is only here on earth, then our faith is very useless. He ends that way. Then he further continues. Then he begins to try to defend the resurrection. And he's saying that, look, that there are different kinds of bodies. There is one body that is terrestrial and another one that is celestial. There is a different, he says there's the glory of the sun that is different from the glory of the moon. He says one star differs in glory from the other star. And he continues. He was trying to make an argument and he ended up by saying that, look, at the end of the day, there is a resurrection to come. And those of us who are dead shall arise in Christ. And everyone who is alive shall be caught up with them in the air. And in the trickle of an eye, 
A, B, C, D, E about the resurrection. Then he ends by talking about this. He's saying here that we have the victory. Thanks be to God. We have the victory, but we have not yet walked into the victory. We have, we have the victory. But we have, so he's telling them, look, I want you to remain steadfast. Because there is the fullness of the manifestation of the victory to come that you are not seeing now. So remain steadfast. He says remain immovable because there is a manifestation of the victory to come that you are not seeing now. He says continue to do the work of the Lord. Continue. Don't stop because there is still a manifestation of the victory that is to come. So while you have private victory now, you don't have public victory yet. What guarantees that public victories show up is when you manage your private victories well. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody. So everything starts with you having victory on the inside. Let's bring it home to where we are as a nation. We've just gone to an election and we are seeing small victories in small places. Well, that is great. But the victory is not yet complete until the victory gets to the larger places. Are you with me so far? In small polling units, victory here. We're seeing a lot of that. Victory there, victory there. But why you should rejoice? Rejoice in faith that there is a victory yet to show up. So what you ought to do right now is to manage your private victory well. So it is likened to us saying now that we've gotten private victory, isn't it? But we're not yet fully assured of public victory. What guarantees that we have public victory is when we continue unmovable, steadfast, continuing the good work that you are doing, that guarantees public victories. And if you can get this for some mature minds, sometimes the public victory might not show up exactly when you want it to show up, but you continue until you see the public victory show up. Because some people, once they don't see the public victory, they give up. And they go back. No, Paul is saying, no, 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 calm down. You are saved now. You are saved now. Let me go back to the scripture, 1 Corinthians 15. You are saved now. Your spirit is saved now, but your soul is still being saved. Your body will be saved, but you must continue steadfast and movable, enjoying the benefits of the victory of your spirit until that victory translates from your spirit to your soul and into your body so that at the resurrection, our bodies will get victory. How many of you know your bodies are not yet saved? Your body is not yet saved. Oh, please, raise your hand if you know that. Okay, ah, I used to teach that a lot when we started church there. Your body is not yet saved. Your spirit is saved. At the very best, some of us are one, 30, one, one of a third saved. You are 33% saved. You're not 100% saved. Some of us are 35% saved. Others are 36% saved because our souls are being redeemed. Some of us have not even, re have not even repaired our soul at all. Some of us are exactly the way we were when we get born again. You are still the same selfish person, the same angry person, the same proud person. Okay, before I lose some people. All right. Man is divided into three. Uh, man is, somebody say I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Say Chinedu is a spirit. Call your name. Say Chinedu is a spirit. Chinedu has a soul. Chinedu lives in a body. Good. So you are three parts to you. The first part that was saved on the cross is your spirit. Your spirit is saved. That's one third of you. So you are 33% saved. So at salvation, we are 33% saved. But God is not coming to pick only those who are 33% saved. 
He wants to resurrect and he wants to take away those who are 100% saved. So what happens is that while we are here on the earth, we go through a process of soul salvation. Well, Romans chapter 12, by the renewing of our mind. So that if you were this angry, if you were an angry, a saved angry man yesterday, you are not expected to be the saved angry man today. Your soul should be getting better. Depression. You have to solve all those things. So that is your soul. That's the seat of your emotion, the seat of your expectations, everything lodged in the soul. So there's a way you're managing your soul that is leading to salvation of the soul as you gradually renew yourself, metamorphose your soul to be more like Christ. But that's the only thing we can do. Our body, the third part of us, that one does not get saved. It only gets saved when it is changed. It is changed miraculously. It is either you die and the resurrection and then that body which arises is changed into a different kind of body or you are alive and you are caught up in the air, the rapture, and that body is changed. That is called glorification. So when you are glorified, your body is changed. So Paul is writing here that there is a salvation to come. There is a victory to come. And the truth is, no matter how saved you are, you are on the earth here, your body still needs to be tamed. Paul says, I put my body under. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. He says, I put my body under. Hello, Paul. Hello, Paulo. He said, I put my body under, lest after I have run the race, I might become a castaway. Paul is saying that there's a possibility. I can actually be a castaway. <laughs> I might not get the rewards I require. There's a possibility. So he's saying that I have to put another part of myself under. So that part of your body is kept under. That is where all the greed is. Under. Selfishness. Under. Self-centeredness. Under, pride, under. All of those things must be kept under. You only can only keep them under until the resurrection where it is glorified. Hello? Right. And what kind of body are we going to have when we, when we are glorified? The same body that Jesus had when he, was, when he rose from the grave. That body could pass through walls. Glory to God. That body could define gravity. That's why they saw Jesus ascend. They recognized him. They ate with him. Jesus ate fish after the resurrection. But they looked at him and they saw the body defy gravity and go up. That's the kind of body we will get. That body, it looks like you. You looks. He's recognized. I think I've drifted off my topic. It looks like you, but it is different in substance. It's another. It has a different structure. Another makeup, which is the same makeup that Jesus had. That body is the rest. That's where we have public victory. Hallelujah. So what am I saying, therefore? Bringing it to where we are. We have just finished an election and there are private victories that have been won, but the victory is not yet concluded. We want to see those private victories become public victories. And how do we get, do that? Number one, he says to do that, number one, you must remain steadfast. What he means is that whatever got you the private victory, you must continue being steadfast in that thing. Steadfast means you must keep holding on to it. It means if you were praying, you've got to keep praying. It's not time to stop praying because we have not seen public victory yet. You have to keep praying. If you were fasting, you've got to keep fasting because we have not yet seen public victory yet. We've only got private victory. Say, so remain steadfast. It means you must hold on to what you were holding on to before. The same prophetic word that God gave to you. Hold on to it. Keep holding on to it until you see the private victory. Not just being steadfast. You must be unmovable. Unmovable means you did get it back. You are right where you are, believing what you believe, declaring what you declared, speaking what you were speaking. It's not time to begin to say, you say, we always knew it. 
These people are bad, they're criminals. No, 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 no. We always knew, yes, we knew, but we were still steadfast before. But we knew and we got private victories. So we must continue being unmovable. Don't shift ground. Stay exactly where you are. Stand exactly what you were standing on. Stay there because you want to see the private victories become public victories. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. You want to see the private victory in your, your, your polling unit become the, the public victory that will be announced at the election. That's what you want the, by INEC. That's what you want to see. So we continue steadfastly, unmovable, and lastly, continue abounding in the work of the Lord. To abound means to increase continually. It means if you were in level 10 before, you move to level 12, level 11. Continue to abound in the work of the Lord. Keep abounding, keep abounding, keep growing, keep abounding. Because every time you sow for the Lord, every labor, you labor in the name of the Lord, the Bible says, is not in vain. It's not in vain. So we are abounding. We are speaking. We are declaring. We are continuing to be steadfast. Somebody say be steadfast. steadfast. Say be steadfast. I can't hear you. Say be steadfast. Be steadfast. Be steadfast. Be steadfast. Be steadfast. Be steadfast. Say be unmovable. Be unmovable. Be unmovable. Be unmovable. And continue to abound. So what is faith therefore that guarantees the victory? Faith is steadfastness. So if I were to take those three things and I impute them into 1 John 5, 4. This is how it will read. It says, therefore, it says, um, whatsoever is born of the law of God uh, overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our steadfastness. If I'm going to replace that word faith with steadfastness, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our steadfastness. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our unmovableness. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our abounding in the work of the Lord. So to put it the way I want to put it, this is the, 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 the victory, the public victory that will overcome the world, even our steadfastness. This is the public victory that will overcome the world, even our unmovableness. This is the victory that will overcome the world, even our abounding in the work of the Lord. We want to see public victories, not just private victories, so we will be steadfast. We will be unmovable. We will continue to abound, knowing that our work, the work for the Lord is never in vain. So the Lord said, Tell them to continue to be steadfast. Tell them to continue to abound. Tell them to continue in the work of the Lord because the private victories that have been worked in them will only become public victories if they hold on and don't give up. If they hold on and don't give up. You see, the enemy is out to steal your public victory. Yeah, he will not let you go. I think it was Pastor Emin that was saying during the praise and worship that when the children of Israel were released from Egypt, the enemy still tried to get them back. They had gotten private victory, but they hadn't gotten public victory until they passed through the Red Sea. They were free, but they were not yet free because Pharaoh was still chasing them. And Pharaoh continued to chase them. So that victory, they couldn't have stopped before the Red Sea started throwing a party. In fact, if you read one translation that I read several years ago, God said to Moses, he says, go and deliver my people, 
that they might throw a party. The word is feast. That I might make a feast unto me in the wilderness. Go and deliver. I'm sending Moses to go and deliver my people. That Or tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I think it's Leviticus. I can't remember. Let my people go. That I might hold a feast for me in the wilderness. So where God wanted them to hold the feast was at the other end of the river of the Red Sea. Not before the Red Sea, but after the Red Sea. So the party, the real party starts after we get the public victories. What we're doing right now is that we're standing in faith and we have a guarantee that we must get public victory because we already have private victory. Why do we have the private victory? The private victory is our faith. Hello? Am I speaking to somebody here? So lock your faith into your heart. Keep your faith right there and let nothing steal your faith because in your faith is the victory. Look at somebody and say, I've got the victory and the victory is in my faith. I've got the victory and the victory is in my faith. Look at that person and say, you've got the victory and the victory is in your faith. You've got the victory and the victory is in your faith. Your victory is yet private. But the Lord says, I'm going to make that victory public, but you must be steadfast. You must be immovable and you must abound in the things of the Lord. Bow your heads, let us pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you because of your word. Though brief, though short, we know that you have hit straight at the nail. Encouraging, exhorting, empowering us with your word to remain steadfast that the battle is not yet over. Ah, the battle is not yet over. We might have won the battle, but we haven't won the war. We have only gotten one part of it. But we will stand on your word, remain steadfast, remain unmovable, continue abounding until our private victories become our public victories. Thank you, mighty Father. We'll give you glory and praise that in the weeks to come, we will not slow down. In the weeks to come, we will not be, un- it will not be moved. In the weeks to come, we will not be uh, unsteady. We will stay steadfast until we see all that you have in store for this nation, Nigeria. And Nigeria is moving from private victories into public victories. Thank you, mighty Father. We give you glory and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody shout aloud, Amen. Amen. Shout a believing, Amen. Amen. You've just listened to an amazing message by Pastor Chinedu Unwosu of the Bree Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at the Nafil Arcade and Water Park, Vuse Zone 7, and midweek services at the Chiratin Hotel, number 30 Sokode Crescent, Vuse Zone 5. God bless you.